Hello, and welcome to our middle age podcast, Legends of Philadelphia. We're your host. <laughs> we're your host. We're your host. I'm Tony Trope, and this is my best friend and business partner, Johnny Zito. Hello. And here's Beerman. You might be asking, what's Big Z's your burning such experts? Well, addition to being Philadelphia native, Johnny Zito and I have a little t-shirt business called South Fellini that focuses on Philly inside cultural jokes. <laughs> Lots of times, we'll <laughs> customers will ask us, you know, what's the deal with the Toy B tiles? And they want to know what the word chumpy means. So we decided to start a <laughs> podcast as an explainer for the new Philadelphians and refresher for all the old heads. City fascinates and excites us. So we're hoping to share that with you. It's called Moxie Beerman. Try it sometime. Try, <laughs> try it next week. It's called yeah, you a little. Trying, you it's called a little Moxie. It's called a little yeah, Moxie. You were trying. You were trying a little too hard. I wasn't even trying. It, it That's was, the thing. I wasn't even trying. That was just. Yeah, but you were laying it on too thick. I wasn't laying it on like, thick. I wasn't you're like a thick. theater kid. It's like, oh, this is like painful <laughs> to watch. I don't want to see that. Hey, you want? You want to hear me sing this cats or like, what? Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Trove's gonna sing memories, everybody. everybody, everybody, everybody get, get, grab some tissues. Grab some tissues now. Do you want to be moved or not? No, I don't. <laughs> well, I don't know what you're. I don't know why you're listening. Too and trying too hard, dude. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to watch. Good thing it's a podcast. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Will your kiss make up? It's embarrassing. Look, I, you said to be the star child this week. I, it doesn't, Dude, I, I feel demon, weird. Bro. It doesn't feel like me. It's not me. I'm, you know, I'm the cat. Why did you make I me know, be the star I child? I don't like it. I thought you would, I thought you would learn to love it. It makes me, it just makes, it just makes me feel not like me. Yeah, that's what I'm I like. Take, I'm me. taking this, I'm taking this makeup off. I'm putting the cat back no, on. Don't no, do it. it looks yep. good. You look yep. good. No, oh, come on. No, no. Just get, start start talking about whatever the show is about because I, I, need, okay. I need to work on this for a second. Well, a brief introduction while Tro takes his makeup off. Uh, this is uh, the podcast uh, powered by SouthFellini.com. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, uh, and Facebook at SouthFellini. We're at SouthFellini everywhere. Uh, you can you can find us at our store on the weekends. Uh, behind try, a... try some moxie, dude. How about some moxie for you too? All right. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Beerman, I take it back. I'm sorry. And it takes yeah, a, no. It takes moxie to say you're sorry. Zito, try some moxie. Uh, we are available for pickups and deliveries on the weekends <laughs> at our Pashuk Avenue location in sunny South Philadelphia. Put a little flavor on it for you. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, you like that? Come on, look, we're come for John DeBella's job, and we have we need to spruce yeah, yeah. it up we're, a little bit. All right, we're coming gotta, for you, John. We gotta ham it up a little. All right, <laughs> we gotta. We're this is why you, this is why you're always pushing for the soundboard. I get there, it. Now. There's a now there's a new sense. zoo crew in that town. Soundboard, dude. Mm -hmm. once, we, once we get that mm -hmm. soundboard, and we're it's it's <laughs> DeBella's funeral. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> <laughs> Coming through the airwaves. <laughs> yes! That's what I'm talking about, Beerman. That's what I'm talking about. That's a good slide whistle. I hope, whistle. Mm -hmm. I hope you, can, you can hear that. Next time yeah. I say something sexy, do the boing noise. Uh, I got I to gotta find it. You got to cue right. it up. Well, I'll, I'll, hold, I'll hold off then saying something We can sexy. get a parrot, and the parrot <laughs> could, could, could make the noises. <laughs> and I'll sit on my uh, shoulder while he does it, because that's near the microphone. Yeah. The official South Fellini I'm like a gorilla suit with like a, with a banana in my hand. 
Yeah, <laughs> what who I like that, right? <laughs> they always had stuff like that. I don't know. <laughs> I oh, think man. it would help the podcast. I'm just, I, I, <laughs> this is when people say, help. like, are you guys really from Philly? Like, why would we spend the first five minutes of our podcast making fun of an old DJ? <laughs> <laughs> Picking know. on an old DJ who will never listen to this. Picking on him. <laughs> Picking on him. Bullying John DeBella. Bullying John, John DeBella. DeBella. The long tradition of bullying John DeBella. Um, we, uh, look, at new, look at my new mustache, Zito. <laughs> <laughs> Why have a look if you're a radio person? I don't, I don't know. I guess you're wearing you kids' makeup right now, dude. For the bus ads. For the bus ads. It's for the, it's for the, because I'm, well, look, when I sing Beth, it's going to be better because I'm wearing this, all right? Yeah, it's going to be not as awkward or maybe more awkward. Let's see if you, let's see if you shed a tear. Let's see if you shed a tear. Let's see if you don't shed a tear. You keep promising. You got to nail, you got to knock it out of the park, boss. All right. All right. You're going to have to do it eventually. You keep bringing it up. The show's going to have to cold open with it when we... The whole song though, and no music. It's all. No, you gotta be my band. If you're my band, I'll do it. If you're my band, I'll do it. If you're my band, I'll do it. Tune in next week. He's gonna do it. You heard him. Yeah, this is this is Kiss Talk with Seth Fellini. We're a Kiss podcast now. I don't even like Kiss, but we're talking about it every week. Our favorite Kiss song is the disco one. The show would be called Love Gun if it was a Kiss podcast. Oh no, he's thought about it. <laughs> welcome to love, welcome to Love Gun. This is yeah. this is the host, Beerman. <laughs> and then on engineering duties, Zito. Yeah, we'll switch it up yeah, for that we'll one. Switch it. Switch, we'll it, switch it, up. it up. Switch it up. Yeah. Switch it up. And Beerman will explain Kiss to me. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I'll read it all on Wikipedia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure they have like an, a couple of autobiographies and and behind the scenes documentaries. Yeah, but I. You want the unauthorized one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's where the juicy stuff is. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, That makes sense. Um, We uh, we didn't do a poll this week. We don't. We we had to pick a a random topic out of a hat. We don't need you anymore. We're we're over it. (laughs) (laughs) Voting. Overrated. No, uh, we're gonna bring the polling back. We're gonna bring the polling back. But uh, no, but someone someone suggested this story. Yes. Uh, they sent me a sent us a direct message and said we should cover. Uh, and this is this is a South Philly legend. This is this yeah. is a true true like every South Philadelphia knows the time. You know, a, a million dollars showed up on your lap. And, yeah. Uh, and what would you do with that? Yeah. So. So yeah, so today uh, we're gonna cover. We're gonna talk about Joseph William Joey Coyle, an unemployed longshoreman in Philadelphia, who in February 1981 found 1.2 million dollars in the street after it had, it had fallen out of the back of an armored car, and he kept it. Shoo. Yeah, his story was adapted into the 1993 movie Money for Nothing, starring John Cusack, and uh, well, actually, it's a star-studded cast. And uh, today we're gonna take a look at the true story behind the Disney legend. Uh, of that time, a million dollars fell off the back of a truck in South Philly. Whoa. Yeah. I saw I saw this movie as a kid. I don't know. Do you guys remember this John Cusack movie? I remember the a million to one same <laughs> the same story, but it's a different setting. 
I remember that movie. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and I remember this movie because it was a John Cusack movie and uh, you know, fan of his work. Yeah. <laughs> big fan. Big fan. Big fan of his work. Big fan of his work. Um, I, uh, I, the skiing, I rem- the skiing movie. I, this was definitely in the same stack of movies when I was a kid of movies that took place in Philadelphia that was like shown to me just because they took place in Philadelphia. Yeah. It's in that, uh, 12 monkeys, uh, Philadelphia mannequin. mannequin. Yeah. Trading places. Yeah. Alpha girls <laughs> Tra- trading places like that kind of stuff. Like, trading I don't places. think there would have yeah. been, there would have been very little opportunity for me to have seen these movies if it wasn't. I, I feel like if it wasn't for the fact I mean, it's that about a guy from South Philly. How could you not yeah. want to watch it? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Don't tell me you never watched the Tony Luke movie. <laughs> <laughs> the 10 hour last dance esque Tony the Luke documentary. Dance. <laughs> the Tony Luke documentary. <laughs> we, we, we're you we're gonna pull back the curtain and Pat, tell, let everybody Pat know Pat Oliveri was like good game he's like good game <laughs> I'm a bitch. I'll destroy you <laughs> the, the last dance now available on Netflix <laughs> on, on, on Netflix on Netflix go watch that instead of this. yeah go watch that then come back and you'll get those jokes you'll get the uh, yeah sorry you get we're really references. excited about the uh Michael I Jordan. just kind of <laughs> Did you I know, hear about it, Michael Jordan? <laughs> you ever hear about this? You hear about Michael Jordan? He's wonderful. He he, <laughs> he just he makes every basket. He he his teammates, they're cool as shit. Love them. The 90s. Last dance. Now on Netflix. <laughs> yes. Five stars. The 90s, Five man. Stars. They were the best. And yeah. That's why we're talking about this today, because of the 90s. <laughs> it's Sorry. I never heard of this at um, all. I never heard of this. Story. Really? This is like a true You don't even know the South urban legend? legend. You don't even. It's funny. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of surprising. I've never heard of this. I don't know who John Cusack is. I don't want to know, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard. I never heard of the movie. Um, okay. So uh, for anybody who, uh, like Beerman who doesn't know the story uh, uh, that we're talking about today, a little, a, a little background. So Joey William, Joey Coyle, um, was sipping coffee on his front steps the morning of February 26, 1981, when he persuaded two young neighbors, John and Jed, to drive him to his drug dealer's house. But the guy didn't answer the door, uh, and on the ride back, uh, Coyle told John to pull over by the side of the road outside Perlator Armored Car Company at Swanson and Wall Streets because maybe there was some scrap metal or some other materials that they could swipe and resell uh, and get, uh, you know, when you, when you find metal in the street and you take it to the junker and you get paid for it. So they were scoping out back there for, uh, for scrap, for something to sell. You know, I'll tell you the truth. I didn't realize that, that he was that hard up to be scrapping like that, you know? Yeah, me neither. I mean, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's a, that's definitely a hustle. Yeah. There, there are going to be some things in this story that I, as I discovered, they left out of the Disney version of the film and oh. uh so so there's gonna be some, there's some hard truths i guess in i'm gonna turn the <laughs> i'll turn the giggle the giggle button <laughs> off then <laughs> i see <laughs> yeah i don't know i i don't know how much of it you know I, for me it's pretty crazy just because like i'm so familiar with the movie having watched it a bunch as a kid and then like to just learn all these big things that they whitewash over it's uh it's eye-opening so yeah, he was he was poor enough, destitute enough that these guys were looking for scrap metal to sell in uh, 1981 Philadelphia, and that is when they spotted it—an unlocked tub of uh, sorts with its wheels pointing up. Uh, Coyle pushed it out, uh, pushed it over, and out fell two big white bags with lettering on the side reading "Federal Reserve Bank." 
across the front. Uh, Coil. Wait, it, did, it, it, it didn't just have a giant money sign on the back? <laughs> it almost <laughs> did. That practically is. I think a like, cent sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I wonder how often this happens. And like, often, we don't know about right? Yeah. How often do they do they do they get it back on the truck before anybody? They get it back. You know, it's like it's not a problem unless this guy's like like looking for it. But you know, most times it probably doesn't. Well, Coyle grabbed both bags, hopped back in the Malibu, and told uh, John to gun it. And uh, after rolling into the shadows between waterfront warehouses down that way, Coyle tore open the bags with a ballpoint pen. The kid in the back leaned over Coyle's shoulder, and the driver's eyes widened as the at the view of tightly wrapped cellophane bundles of hundred-dollar bills, one point two million uh, that had come from casino earnings and were virtually untraceable. Oh, I cannot even imagine. Holy, holy cannoli! I cannot even. Can you imagine? imagine? No, no, <laughs> dude. I would spend it on cannolis. Cannoli, yeah. Well, if you had a million dollars in South Philly, 1981. Yeah, I'll buy a million long hots, and I give them to the poor. (laughs) (laughs) That's very generous, man. That's beautiful. I feed the poor, but just a little long hots, though. Yeah, they're going to regret it the next day, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. They're they're going to be like, thank you, Brian. Thank you, Mr. Cameron. Thank you, next period. And the next day, they're going to be like, you know what? That, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I shouldn't. Be, I shouldn't have ate all those long hops. That's Ajita, and I'm like, pumps, <laughs> dude. We all regretted it. I, that, you know, I thought that was a treat, but it wasn't. It wasn't. You got to play to win, man. You got to play to win. You got to uh, bet it all on the Eagles. Don't never bet lose. it all on long hops. Bet it all on long hops. Uh, Beerman, do you do you want to take a minute to look up how much one point two million dollars in nineteen eighty one? Oh, do today? I? Yeah, I do. Yeah, of course. I mean, I I, do. that's a lot of long hots, you know. Yeah, how many long hots can I? Uh, I forgot I'm doing. How many that. million? I haven't the, done that in a while. Trove, do you want to guess? Million dollars in long hots. Do you want to take a guess, Trove? Do you want to take a guess at what one point two million dollars? How is today? a million dollars then is worth now a million and a half? I guess. Uh, I'm. Let's see. I think I think more. I think it's going to be almost twice. I think it's going to be almost double. All right. And I can't believe Beerman does this, all, all this math off the top of his head. I know. He's counting on his fingers and toes right now. And he's holding on. Yeah, he's weird. holding on to large remainders. It's going to take a while. It's going to take, take a while. while. <laughs> it's so weird. To get six toes, huh? Well, I mean, I guess I want to. I, I mean, to fantasize about having a million dollars in 1981, it's a million dollars in 1981. The buying power in 19, or rather, uh, 2020, isn't the same. If like you got, if you found a million dollars now, you would have to, you you would you would do less with it. You could only do less with it. Yeah, you get you got some dump at Point Breeze, you know, like. <laughs> 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 so that's a what, million if, dollars. If Jesus you found, Christ! If you found a million dollars, that's what you would do with it. If you found a million dollars in 1981, I buy it a million dollars. I would buy every child a saxophone. That's beautiful. Bro. <laughs> wow, you guys have like you guys have like really virtuous uh, answers buy, to you. What would you do with a million dollars? Robin Hood. Yeah, B flat. We're Robin Hood, but but we only give them things they don't want or need. This is hot and greasy. And yeah. This, and there's a long, there's a saxophone full of long hots, kids. <laughs> Start tooting. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm gonna come back in five years, and I want to hear take five. Yeah. <laughs> and it better swing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, uh, such generous millionaires. 
I don't care. All right, so uh, $1.2 million in 81 is $3,585,075.86. That's more than double. That's a lot of long hots. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, for sure. It's a lot of saxophones. More than doubled. Mm-hmm. Well, so then the real answer is, what would you do with $3.5 million? If $3.5 million fell off the back of a truck, what would you do with that? How much are the Eagles? Could I buy them? Can you buy the Eagles? Not for, not 1981? For Pretty cheap. Pretty cheap. <laughs> can I buy... I can, I can buy the Kicks for $3.5 million. Though, right? <laughs> I'm bringing the Kicks back. Oh, man. They were champions. They were, they were a good team. They were, dude. I, I I would buy expensive furniture and let my dog destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I would get more pets. I would get more dogs, and I would I would get more space for those dogs. I'm sorry, everybody. You're can not I getting long the dogs? Yeah, yeah, you can babysit mm-hmm. the dogs. You can babysit all of them. So you're not going to buy me a house? You're going to buy a house for your dogs? Yeah, I'm going to buy a house and keep the dogs in my house, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, can, I can work for you there, though, right? Y- yes, yes, you can tend the dogs. Okay. Yeah. If you want, I'm not sorry. Sorry with the ears, then the rump, you know, the belly. Is it guaranteed? Yeah. You know, yeah. He smooth, knows if, if, if there's any time second. left. Beerman's an rump. experienced dog whisperer. I, I would be comfortable pet letting him. Yeah. I would be comfortable letting I him work on my dog. dog ranch as it evolved into just now. Your South Philly dog, dog ranch. ranch. <laughs> <laughs> like like a, buying up blocks and knocking people's houses down. <laughs> you <all> your dogs. <laughs> Kicking old ladies out of their houses. <laughs> you yep, had 300 yeah, no, dogs by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he left all his money to the dogs. He left his money to the dogs. Yep. yep. Yeah, that's how it would have gone. And that's, and that's how Doberman Pinscher became the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> Which has always been my dream for the city, for the mayor to be a dog. <laughs> it's a long way around to that. Okay, uh... uh well, what what Joey did was he kept the money. He uh, and meanwhile uh, somebody who wouldn't? Who, who yeah, wouldn't? you 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 would have tried. Everyone would have tried, at least at first. Um, so and then later, like if you got caught, you'd be like, oh, I I didn't know there was money in these bags. Um, this this thing? I thought it was a joke. I know. I'd be like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> 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 we gotta get the same. <laughs> Once we get that soundboard, that's what I would do. That's what I would do with a million dollars. I would get us a soundboard. Soundboard. <laughs> write that one down. Write that one down. Yeah. I can tax it. It's a tax. It's, it's a, a tax write-off. Business. It's a write-off. It's a business. It's a job. Uh, so somebody somebody called the police that day around 3 p.m. and the caller said uh, that an armored car had dropped two bags of cash and the perlator verified that the haul was missing. The armored truck drivers returned to search for the missing lockbox uh, moments after Joey and his friends had scooped it up. And a witness told police that they saw a man grab the bags and drive away in a maroon Chevy Malibu uh, right in front uh, with, a, with a right front fender painted blue. So they had a very accurate description of the car that, the, that Joey and his friends were driving. The, uh, the fender, the part of the... <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> when you, it was a miscue. It was like it was like minutes I'm late. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got I got excited. I got excited. <laughs> I I was gonna say when you have like a red car and you you have one part painted blue. I mean, and then driving around looking for scrap metal so they can sell it to like then they find a million dollars. 
I mean, they must have been like, boing. yeah. I I closed that. I can't. I can't. Okay, 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 <laughs> Put it okay. away, dude. I set you up. <laughs> I can't be. I can't be uh, 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 trusted with it. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> someday, uh, someday, 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 someday. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Coyle's two. So child- what do they do then? So meanwhile, Coyle's two childhood friends uh, were were getting spooked. Uh, Coyle had brought uh, bought some meth and injected himself before they made their way to see another friend who had some criminal connections. And this guy had already heard on the police scanner that the cops had a description of the car, which was owned by John's father. So they ditched the car in New Jersey, and their criminal friend urged Coyle to turn the money in and claim a $50,000 reward, which had already been offered for the return of the money. What? Yes. Oh, I didn't know. That's... Oh, that's... (sighs) Yep. Man, that could have changed his life. Yep. Yep. Getting 50. So the choice is like. Why did he do that? I don't know. There's something so Uh, South Philly about that. There's something so uh, South Philly about that. He definitely went to Newman. He went to Newman. (laughs) (laughs) Shots fired. I just think that's so South Philly. You're to bet it all, to gamble it all, to be like, uh, ah, you yeah. got the, the the promise of fifty thousand dollars from the from the armored car company, better, or the guarantee of a million bet it bucks on the in your Eagles, hand. Man, just, just better <laughs> on the Eagles. <laughs> bet it on the Eagles, buddy Ryan. He's due. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that soundboard is growing. You really, you're spending. Whenever I, whenever I, 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 I it's not, it's not working. You're whenever spending the money. We need a real one. Happen. That's why we, we we need an expensive one. Just, just you, you I, got well, the cheapest had, one. That's why. I'm certain got there a, is a million dollars. You I, got the cheapest I, soundboard money can buy. This is what happens. You say John DeBella's <laughs> name too many times, and you get a soundboard for your podcast. <laughs> it just appears. That, where'd you get that mustache? Where'd you get that? Shutting it down. Shutting it off. So although let's let's change the words to a popular song to to complain about uh the work week. <laughs> classic morning DJ stuff. Oh, my wife, my boss, right. I like I Man. like weekends, preferably. Weekends. I, I'm, I'm going to yeah. say it. I'm going to say it. I don't care who knows it. I love weekends. I don't want to work on I want to bang on a drum all day, Beerman. Yeah, all day. All day. We are, we are ready for radio. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, this is great. This is this is tr- tremendous stuff we're doing. President right Steve, groundbreaking. Let groundbreaking. us let us sit on your laps. Just let us sit on your laps for a little bit. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I heard they eat steak all day. Who? Debella? President Steve. No. Oh. No. Not not that. Not. Which morning DJ? Not, are we t- not that hack. Not that hack. <laughs> President Steve, they eat prime rib all day. All day. For breakfast. All day. All day. So instead of turning the money in, Joey went home that night to his 18-year-old girlfriend and told her what had happened without hesitation and uh, then got high again. Coyle spent Friday morning at home with the stacks of money he still had on hand, injecting more meth and compulsively hiding uh, the money around the house, and then second-guessing that spot and hiding it again. With every injection and every hour he uh, went without sleeping, he grew more and more paranoid. So Coyle decided he had to get rid of the money. There was no way he could hold on to all of it. 
But when his family uh, also counseled him to return the cash, he ignored them. And he set about mindlessly giving away his newfound fortune. He handed $400,000 to a friend for safekeeping. And another $400,000 went to a mysterious mobster who Coyle foolishly hoped would break the $100 bills down into smaller denominations and return it. And finally, he handed $200,000 to another friend for a big drug buy with aspirations of becoming a kingpin. He did this all within a so day. So he just gave it away? I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I guess my initial reaction, and Bierman like, just is like, well, I'll give it away. But he just gave it to local, like... Local, local lo- mobsters and Local me. mob guys. <laughs> he, def- he definitely went to Newman. He definitely went to Newman. <laughs> he also... Uh, he, yeah, uh, and his girlfriend was 18. Can you imagine being the Garetti girl who takes Joey Coyle to the prom? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's my boyfriend. He's he's a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. Um, meanwhile, the story of the missing money was leading the news, and the manhunt had commenced. The FBI was involved now, and for days, police uh, couldn't identify the lucky thief. Uh, uh, the lead detective was desperate, and he even had one witness hypnotized in an attempt to extract more information from them, but it failed. Whoa. Wait, what? Yeah, the lead detective, he tried to have one of the witnesses uh, uh, hypnotized, like taken back to the moment so that they could... Re- and that would stand up in court? I don't know if it would stand up in court, but, <laughs> you know, you try and connect the dots, I guess, and then and then when you're... once oh, they connect just, like, it, revamp their memory, yeah. They're not trying to... S- now it's like, ah, oh, this guy thinks he's a chicken now, but we can't, we can't. I don't know how to out-hypnotize him, so <laughs> just, 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 let, just let him go, I guess. I don't know. Well, he quit smoking at least, so you know, <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> this is a weird one. I guess a poli- I was led to believe that police work was much more hard boiled in the eighties, but this sounds like this sounds like pure silliness. Uh, luckily, that sounds fun. <laughs> I, I want let's be eighties cops. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, luckily for the police, uh, uh, Coyle wasn't too safe with his own secret. Yeah, he shared the good news uh, of his uh, newfound fortune with anyone he saw. Friends, family, and even random bartenders. He offered $100 uh, $100 bills to everyone he encountered and promised to pay off the mortgage of strangers in New Jersey after he inadvertently stumbled into their home in the middle of the night. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it's, I, it, I don't know how to say this, but like it almost seems like he has a good heart and he is wants to make wants, other people. He wants to he buy wants long to hats like and saxophones for everybody. He doesn't know how to do it. He wants to share. Yeah. He wants to share. He does in a weird way. seem like he wants to share it, but <clears throat> I was, I'll buy a bunch of you, drugs and give it away. And everybody else likes doing drugs and I'll give, I'll pay people's mortgages. They're like, I mean, Hey, he sounded like an all right guy to be friendly with. Yeah. I, uh, I do. Appreciate yeah. But he paid, he, 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 he he only said he paid their mortgage after he broke in their house. <laughs> and they come downstairs and this guy's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll pay for your mortgage. But it, it was... You're you saying know, that's not a fair trade-off, Beerman? You're saying if a guy broke into your house and then offered to pay the mortgage, that wouldn't be... He wasn't there to rob you. He was there to pay your mortgage. You wouldn't be happy about he, that. I mean, I he guess just that's a, pretty great. Yeah, you guess. He also... <laughs> well, I mean, we might have spoke too soon. He uh, he also gave away a uh, hundred dollars to each of his two accomplices, John and Jed. But he concealed his that's intention. It? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, really. But he eventually, Here's <laughs> but a he tip. concealed his. <laughs> yeah, just about. Um, and I'm sure he would have given them less if he could have broken the hundred. But he concealed his intentions to eventually cut them out of the uh, uh, the share of their shares altogether. 
Uh, when the boys decided they wanted to return the money for the $50,000 reward, Coyle refused and threatened them with a gun. A gun. Yeah, because he's like, I already spent 100000 so. <laughs> He, uh, he spent almost a million at this point. He's, he had, had 400000 to one guy, 400000 to another yeah, guy, 200000 to another to, guy. Yeah, so now now it's 50000 ain't nothing now. Yeah, and those guys who just, just kept it, like all those like these those mob guys and his number writers, whatever, they just like, okay, thanks, Joey. Yep. I'll just keep all this money you gave me and <laughs> circulate it. Yeah, he's in, like, you're gonna give me back pocket. in fives and tens, right? Like, and like can oh, you yeah, like yeah. can you imagine like that? He just changed, like he did change a bunch of people's lives. Like, I don't know, like there was someone who whatever was going on, like these mob guys, <laughs> like they're just like I don't know, are they just getting by? Are they like struggling? Do they lose a bunch of money? All of a sudden, fifty thousand dollars sits on your lap. Like that's crazy too, you know? Like they probably didn't, they probably didn't get it back from them, did they? Well, they didn't get all the money back. We'll go over that at the end, but no. All right, 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 right. I'm just, yeah. No, I you're just, right. Yeah, you're that right, trickle though. down goes is like crazy. Um, and still, after all of this, nobody ratted him out to the police. Uh, uh, so the, that is so South Philly that it's that nobody is, called the cops. Everybody was like, "He's a good guy. He gave me hundred dollars. Somebody shut up." <laughs> right. I stuck it right in my mouth. He's uh, like, "Give me a yoo-hoo. I said, "Here's a yoo-hoo. He said, "Here's hundred dollars." All right. He's going around spending a hundred bucks too because he doesn't have change. Like, who's gonna? And in 1981, yeah, goes, what, what corner store is breaking a hundred dollar bill? Yeah, he's going to. He's going to Kasha's. Yeah. He's like, yo, give me a pizzazz. And they're like, you break 100? <laughs> like, no, it's 1981. They're 50 cents right now. They're, they're a dime, sir. <laughs> uh, the cops finally got lucky when a report of an abandoned 71 Chevy Malibu in South Jersey surfaced. And that led them back to the owner, uh, Joe's friend, John, his dad. And the friends uh, couldn't keep their mouth shut uh, over what was happening and had told their parents already. So when the police caught up with the parents, John's parents, they were able to put two and two together and figure out who was involved. Uh, by this time, everyone, everyone knew and no one knew. It's it's so and no one knew. Perfect. Yeah, uh, Coyle drove up uh, with a, with an old friend uh, to New York to uh, to upstate New Jersey and got a motel room. And he stuffed uh, twenty one envelopes with five thousand dollars a piece, uh, and he taped those envelopes uh, inside his socks and uh, hid the rest of the money inside the motel room that they had rented. Uh, then he and his friend uh, went out looking for prostitutes, but uh, Coyle. Okay, let, let, let me pause right here. Sure, you got now, a question? What's uh, this is a? Is any of this in the Disney movie? No, I haven't seen this. Some of it is. They left out the meth and the prostitutes. All of the meth in the movie. We can talk about it more in, in the end, but no, in the movie he he runs away with his girlfriend. In the in the movie he runs away at the end of the movie. Like okay. him and his him and his girl are gonna try and get away. Well, I was gonna watch it. Is his girlfriend a Goretti girl in the movie? No, I don't think she's 18 either. No, she's uh, oh. she's pro- played much more age appropriately. Um, oh. You know, Disney. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's just make this story fr- friendly for the Midwest. <laughs> this is like, to me, this sounds more like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas than it does, you know, a million to one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's so it much close. The real story is so much more close. Closely to related to a crime <laughs> like, film, like, like a there's real just crime like, film. There's just like like blasting through South Jersey on meth, looking for the Jersey Devil. Like that is <laughs> with with envelopes <laughs> full of five thousand dollars taped to their ankles. It's extreme. Yeah, it's extreme. It's Jersey Devil. It's Jersey Devil country. It's <laughs> Devil Land. Yeah. Devil land. <laughs> so they go out looking for a prostitute, uh, but Coyle was concerned about taking off his pants because uh, the money was hidden in there. 
And so uh, they gave the the prostitute $100 instead and took her to a fancy French restaurant and uh, wined and dined her before uh, wasting the night away in a nightclub and spending lavishly. Um, Then they uh, decided to head back to the hotel, but could not find which hotel was theirs. They couldn't remember where they stayed. So with the money they had on hand, they rented another hotel room for the night and tried to sleep it off. Uh. So while the friends slept in the hotel room, uh, Coyle, who was high and drunk at this time, uh, had become too paranoid and too suspicious to sleep around his friend or trust that they weren't going to get barged into in the hotel room. So instead, he walked down into the hotel's parking garage and found a car with an open door, and he slept inside there instead, which is... Well, this story is a romantic. It's really sad. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Um, the next morning, uh, day seven, oh, since seven days since he had found the money, uh, the uh, Joey and his friend found the money the, that they had uh, lost in the original hotel. They managed to find their way back to the original hotel, grabbed the money, and caught a cab to John F. Kennedy International Airport and uh, bought tickets for a flight to a- uh, Acapulco. And uh, they were caught while checking in for the flight by federal agents. Uh, police charged... They had to look so shady. Yeah, I'm sure. Do you think they were wearing they Hawaiian look- shirts? Do you think they were, like, ready for... <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they were, like, ready for a vacation? and Like, just, like... Like, I mean, they were out doing drugs all night, partying and, and, and hiring prostitutes. And then, like, did they take showers? Like, they probably went, <laughs> no, right, they probably, the like, they probably, like, they probably smelled, like, booze and cigarettes. And they probably, like, like, they probably thought they were being so, like, smooth. And they probably <laughs> stuck out so bad. Right. Police charged uh, Coyle with the theft and got almost all of the money back immediately. Uh, they managed to, you know, collect all those $100 bills from people, but some of the money that had gone out to the criminal element couldn't be tracked down, couldn't be traced, but uh, who knows how it was actually spent. At trial, Coyle's attorney had managed to wrangle a ruling that the fact that Coyle was addicted to the methamphetamines, to methamphetamines, couldn't be brought up. So the jury, uh, to the jury, he was just a dude from South Philly, who came upon some money, and he was uh, temporarily insane because uh, he didn't know what to do with all that money, and he'd never seen that much money before, and and it just drove him crazy. And uh, even when he had the money, what did he do with it? He gave it away to people. He just walked around sticking $100 bills in people's pockets. And um, uh, so the defense portrayed him as this, like, Robin Hood type. I would imagine it drove him crazy. I mean, I'm I'm sure, like, insanity like that is, like, people can roll their eyes, but, like, don't this guy was driving around in a car with with parts that don't even match so he could buy drugs and 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 sell scrap metal and then he's a millionaire yep in like, a blink of an eye in a second a blink of an eye like in a blink of an eye how can he i i i found 20 bucks one time on pass young Ave, and that was like seven years ago and i, I think about it all the time <laughs> yeah top I, of the world you do with it you bought all those children long hots yeah mm-hmm Threw, those children. You threw long, chi- hots. You threw long hots at those children. <laughs> yeah. Well, they didn't dance better. They didn't dance as good as I wanted them to. So, I threw more <laughs> long hots with them. You call that a robot? <laughs> yeah. I'll show you about pop and lock. I'm not. This is a worm. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Philadelphia Daily News headline: Rich man, poor man, uh, was uh, uh, splashed across the front page um, during the trial. And by the, the time um, uh, uh, the jury was deliberating, 
Uh, many people saw Joey as a folk hero. Uh, many people called him Robin Hood. And after all, he'd spread all those Franklins around, and uh, uh, when police captured him, he wasn't doing anything bad. He was just trying to get away with it. So people cheered. He when just they gave saw it to the public. people of South Philly. He just <laughs> yeah. like, just trying. I love everyone. Here's everyone. Here's here's a hundred bucks just because you're from South Philly too. Yep. Yep. So South Philly. And the I court- get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> you would too. I think everybody would. Uh, and the courtroom was packed, and it was uh, it was a merry atmosphere, and it was uh, very jovial in there. And um, uh, Joey was acquitted uh, in February of 1982, and uh, unfortunately, though, eight months later, uh, he was arrested on drug possession and was in and out of rehab uh, and jail from then on. So even though he beat the rap, yeah, even though he beat How the rap— How was he acquitted? Well, because of temporary insanity, and everyone loved him. The jury was sympathetic. They got a bunch of people from Philadelphia who were in the jury, and the defense attorney was like, what would you do if you found a million dollars? And everyone was like, I'd fucking yeah. take that shit to the bank. I'd, I'd yeah, steal they, that stuff. The, the jury's all two-streeters. <laughs> <laughs> they were human beings. They had hearts. They knew what was up. They would have taken <laughs> the money, too. <laughs> the lawyers packed the, the jury with two-streeters, and you know how they're gonna, what they're going to do. If we get one mummer on that jury, then you're going to walk away a free man. So, you know, I mean, the Daily News called him a romantic uh, and a folk hero. The Philadelphia Inquirer described him as handsome, friendly, well-liked by the ladies, never in trouble with the law. Um, he was viewed as a hard luck case. <laughs> what, what, except for this time. Well, all, everything before this, he had no record. He had no rap sheet. He was a longshoreman who, like a lot of people, was just out of work. He couldn't, he couldn't pay his bills. He's looking to scrap metals so that he could, you know— He's at the end of his rope. He's buying drugs because there's no hope. There's nothing left for him. And so, you know, I guess a lot of people identified with that in Philadelphia in 1981. Um, and uh, he was viewed as a hard luck case, a lovable kid from down the street, you know, uh, a hard luck goof, uh, you know, a laughable corner guy. And, uh, and, and, and nobody faulted him for trying to keep the money. And, uh, you know, and then the story was picked up around the world because it just has, it's just an interesting story. It just, it, it calls to mind, what would you do with a million dollars? What would you do if you were suddenly rich? And it's just like universal. It's something everyone fantasizes about. You had that long, hot answer ready to go. Oh, I think about it every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he texted that to me last week. He, it wasn't even, we didn't even know we were going to talk yeah. about this. So if I, if yeah. I had a million dollars, I would buy every kid a, a long, hot. Yeah, until I, like, so I get the million dollars, and then I'm like, you know what? I think I'm gonna keep the long hots. <laughs> Not the million dollars, but the long hots. True <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. Some laughs> colors. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's around the time that Hollywood stepped in, and uh, Disney wanted the rights uh, to this seemingly Daddy made Disney. for the movies story. Yeah, Daddy Warbucks, Uncle Disney. Uh, they paid Coyle seventy thousand dollars upfront uh, for his uh, for the rights to his story. And by all accounts, he blew most of it on meth. Yeah, well, seventy thousand up front. <sighs> he had a back end deal too, but um. Damn, and he bl- coil. Why? Yeah. Why do you make bad decisions? I don't know. He went and he partied with it, and he and he got high with it, and uh, but they left that part out of the Disney movie. They left a lot of that out of the Disney movie. Uh, a lot of that stuff out of the Disney movie. And um. Do you think John Cusack knows the real story? Like you're playing uh, this person, you know what I mean? Like you know, like all right, I'm gonna be this guy, and like, do you think does he know? Like, all right, I'm actually like a meth user, and I'm a this, and I'm like, does, does you think he knows that? Even though they like project, plays him as not that in the movie, I wonder. If it's like a weird. He has to, right? 
I don't know. That's a great question. They did shoot a bunch of it. I looked at I, I looked up some clips before. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an actor. Like, what else? Do you, like, that's what you do when you're. Well, an they actor, shot right? they yeah. they shot a lot of it here in town. They did a lot of exteriors here in Philly. Really? So they were, yeah. So they were here for at least a week. You know what I mean? And I wonder how much contact that he actually had with Joey Coyle. Um, whenever you know you see footage of Ro- uh, Sylvester Stallone shooting the Rocky movie. The boxer that the whole thing is based on, uh, he's always there. He always gets a, a set visit for a day or whatever. Um, I, I, I'm genuinely... Oh, the, the bleeder or whatever? Yeah, the bleeder from Bayonne, whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> Chuck Wepner. Chuck Wepner. You always see him uh, right. uh, making yeah, rounds behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, so I mean... So I imagine Cusack- something like that took place, uh, I guess. We, and, you know, you mentioned it earlier. Um, I forgot how bad John Cusack's South Philly accent is. It's all over the place. It's like it's like when <laughs> Americans try to do, like, British accents. It's like sometimes he's got it, sometimes he doesn't, sometimes he sounds Irish. I, I don't know. It's a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's no... Uh, he, he's no the Juicy. <laughs> he's no... He's no Danny Dijewski. Uh, let's cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, sound, like people doing a South Philly accent on that show, like, man, what a missed opportunity. That could have been, we, it could have been a local. You gotta remake it. You gotta remake it, but do the real story. Do the real story, yeah, absolutely. We should do a movie about making the movie. That's interesting. We get John Cusack back, like in um, adaptation when they did it, like with being John Malkovich. Oh yeah, that's a right, wow. right, yeah, right, very right, meta. Very, very, very meta, very, meta. very, very meta. Yeah, people love yeah. that. Written by Charlie Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Kaufman. Charlie, Charlie Kaufman. Kaufman. Yeah. Different. So, <laughs> um, I like Joey Coyle. Joey Coyle. Coyle. Joey Coyle. Coyle's girlfriend told uh, the media that the film was really bothering Joey and that he was so ashamed of his drug addiction uh, that it had led him to paranoia at all times. So, um, uh, unfortunately, on August 15th, 1993, three weeks before the movie was released and more than a decade after he found the money bags, uh, Joey Coyle hanged himself with an electrical cord. Uh, He was 40 years old. He wrote... Yeah, I I didn't know that at all before looking any of this up. It was terrible sad story that it ends that way uh he wrote a will before his death dividing the 150 dollars expected from the movie residuals between his attorney and his girlfriend uh the will was dated june 18th which means he had been thinking about this for months uh and it was found in his pants pocket uh by medical examiners uh the handwritten will was authenticated by ron donatucci at the city register of wills who was quoted in the ap of saying that was quoted in the AP saying that it looked legit and would be honored. Um, even though the movie Money for Nothing had a stellar cast, it didn't satisfy Disney. Uh, there wasn't a big opening. There was no advertising. There was no widespread unveiling. Uh, considering the controversy and the tragedy surrounding the real-life events, it's uh, no wonder they immediately tried to distance themselves from the whole project. Uh, it's not even available on the streaming Disney Plus service. I looked for it. Wow. Wow. I mean... Oh, you made a movie about somebody, and you cut out the parts that ended up being the. Oh man, yeah. Okay, I mean, say say about like John Cusack. Did he know that about him? I mean, I guess so, right? Yeah, I, it sounds to it, me like they actively, it, like they actively cut off. You know, they 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 hid the warts that and, must be and the so, blemishes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how to feel about that either because it looks like Joey was really self-conscious about it because he was afraid the movie was going to reveal that stuff, and then the movie doesn't reveal that stuff. 
And it's like, would it have been more uh, so, of a disservice, or or was he afraid that when people saw the real him, when they came for interviews, they would be disappointed because it, he wasn't, you know, the the Hollywood version of Joey Coyle? I don't know. It's yeah. uh, well, it, it's real heavy. The story stuff. about this movie, yeah, yeah. And when the movie came out, no one is talking about it. About oh man, this is truly tragic. Yeah, it really is. It is a real tragic ending. Um, and uh, it, it, it's a shame. Uh, you know, it's just. Uh, that it went down like this, uh, and the, the film, I, I don't, I didn't get to watch it before this because, like I said, it's not streaming anywhere, so I could only watch the trailers and the clips online. And it does the clips seem to oscillate between like screwball comedy and you know dramedy, where it's like supposed to be more serious. And it's got James Gandolfini and Michael Madsen, and like these are like real actors, like they're they're in a Disney Whoa. movie. Everyone's really doing a good job, and uh, but. But sometimes it just falls to like you know I don't know just cheap comedy, a, mu- a must watch. <laughs> cheap soundboard comedy. Cheap soundboard comedy. Yeah, way to tie it all together thematically. This there, is Jeremy. this is not a uh, this is this is not a. Uh, a this is not a time for a boing. No, no, no boings. No, I, I see your hand going for well, the soundboard. I see your fingers on the button. I'm on Facebook. I'm not listening to this. <laughs> Do I have the boing button on Facebook? Don't touch my boing button. Uh, so reviews for the movie. Kevin Thomas wrote, uh, Money for Nothing exudes compassion for the underdog dreamer, but could use more personality and punch in putting over its dynamite story. Uh, so maybe it's a story worth revisiting, like Beerman said, with a little bit more grit and honesty this time. I would be interested in seeing that. Um, I, I feel like, you know, the real story is way more crazy and way more interesting than, you know, the polished, you know, zany. Even the fact that it, it, he he died right before the movie came out, never even really seeing it, you know, maybe he probably didn't see it. No, I don't, I don't, it doesn't say, I looked that up too. I couldn't find if he had seen a screener or gotten to read a script, anything, nothing. There's no, yeah, no information on whether he knew what the movie was going to be about, what it would yeah. include and what it wouldn't. It must be weird to have a movie made about you. I mean, it's probably even weird for John Cusack to like. I just played this guy, and I did this like soft version of it, and he commits suicide. You know, like yeah. that's that. Are you part of the reason why he did it? You know, like is it the thing that pushed him over the edge. Like that's it's very interesting, and that's that's a uh, that's a lot of weight that you know. But you just sign up for like it sounds like a fun movie to work on. You know, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, it's heavy. Didn't this was way darker than I thought this was going to be. I thought this would be like hilarious. Yeah, well, I didn't know the true story. I only ever saw the movie. I think it's important to know the true story, but it is definitely, uh, it ends in tragedy. And, um, you know, another Hollywood tragedy here in Philadelphia. Oh, all right. Well, it's a crazy story. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, well, that's all I got. I don't have any other inside oh. baseball. There was a lot of, like, I, I, I found some <laughs> conspiracy theories on the internet about about this and, you know, uh, and I'm, we're not going to bring that stuff up. Everything that we got for this episode came from uh, a New York Times article, an L.A. Times article, and a three-part uh, Philly Inquirer article, which then got spun into a book. So all of this stuff is online in much more detail. Um, I, I, Joe's a real sympathetic character. Uh, I, I, I hope people take the time to uh, check it out. Um, that's all I got. What about you guys? No. Beerman, the music. <laughs> Okay, that's pretty much all there is to know about the time a million dollars fell off the back of a truck in South Philly. Uh, please check out our website, www.southphilini.com. Uh, that's S-O-U-T-H-F-E-L-L-I-N-I.com for cool Philly-inspired merch. 
check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at South Fellini everywhere. Follow us along, follow along, and join us in the conversation. We want to hear from you. Uh, thanks for listening to us. From you. From yous. Thanks for listening to us. Make sure you look out for our new episodes every Monday. Uh, stay safe, wash your hands, and wear a mask. Bye.